everybody, and welcome to the greatest fantasy football show you'll ever hear in your entire life. It's the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Tuesday edition with the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, what's going on, man? I'm doing fine, man. How are you doing this fine morning? I'm doing, you know what? I'm doing all right. Not bad. Pretty I had some good. great pancakes, man. Like, I had these protein pancakes. They were outstanding. Did you make them or did you go buy them? No, you, you, you buy the, the protein pancake mix. All right. Uh, P28. Shout out to P28. Shout out P28. Free, <laughs> free pub right there. And um, they were fantastic, man. Fabulous. Nice. I'm glad you you thought the show was nine, so I bought you that extra hour to actually craft them with care. Exactly. To make them not rushed and to make them nice and fluffy. And, you know, it just it, it was a fantastic breakfast here at the Hunt household. What do you put on them? You, uh, honey? Nothing. Syrup? No, no. Uh, you know, yeah, syrup. You could do a little a little syrup. They were uh, cinnamon flavored, so they're already kind of flavored. All right. Um, but I do a little bit of syrup and bananas and fruit and other fruit chopped up on the side. Not Healthy a, over here, man. It's, for me, I need to soak mine. And I'm so, sorry, we're getting off topic already. But, you know, like <laughs> if, I <don't, laughs> if I don't have like a lot of syrup or a lot of honey on them, it gets dry. And I'm like, I just can't do it, you know? Honey. I might have to try that. Now, I will say this. Having been, uh, you know, I'm a Canadian expert, so I haven't been up there a lot. Um, maple syrup is is the best. Once you have authentic Canadian maple syrup, it, it, you can't go back. No. Uh, someday I'll introduce you to upstate New York maple syrup. Not the same. doesn't have the same aura, but, uh, you know. They speak French up there? Uh, we can. Okay. Maybe the border towns. <laughs> Cape Vincent might. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, on the show today, I kind of, I, I was kind of, as I was mapping this out, there are a couple players who have popped up late in my uh, my drafts, who I've kind of been like, I, I remember this guy like three years ago, four years ago, people were all over him, loved him. Uh, should I take him or no? And then it, it, my next thought is, this would be a perfect Emory question. And actually, one of these guys is what I would call an Emory Hunt special, someone who you uh, you were on a few years ago, um, former Jet. So we're gonna get into that a little bit. We're going to get into the Jets a little bit. Um, a little of this, a little of that. We put out a call for some some questions for a mailbag for the podcast specifically. We got a couple of those. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of want to form this as Stump the Czar. Because ever, for as long as I've known Emery Hunt, there's not a player you can bring up that he won't have, like, a volume of information on. Uh, and I find that fun. So, if you're cool with that, we can do that. Yeah, that's fine with me. I mean, you know. There's, I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. We already covered a, a good deal. We covered geography. We yep. also covered uh, cuisine. So <laughs> I'm good to go. Yes, we did. <laughs> Last week, you got into mythology and history. So. <laughs> Coming up next week, chemistry. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, Emery Hunt has a, uh, a very good article up. Uh which seems to have a lot of comments. I haven't checked in the last hour, but it's uh, you must have responded to people. Emery Hunt's the best comment responder in the world, by the way. You gotta you gotta roll your sleeves up, man, and get in those comments. Like folks, be afraid of the comment section. You gotta go in there, turn your head backwards, and walk right into the mix. <laughs> Are they nice? I haven't read. I don't want to read now and get distracted. Yeah, they're, they're nice. And all then right, you great. got the one guy that was like, "Wow, I actually disagree with all three. I'm like, great, thanks. So who would you have then? You know, like yeah. <laughs> You know, I just said, uh, I'm like, all right, let's just let, let's meet here. I did it once, actually, and it was kind of fun. And you've you've actually done this. I said, all right, let's meet, see you in six months. We'll both come back here and we'll talk about it. And I set a calendar alert <laughs> with the link to the page for, you know, like December 17th. And if I'm right, I'll be like, hey, you were right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's, you know, but I always like if someone has a has a critique, like the article itself is called Who Are This Year's? Insert players, right? Guys that came out of nowhere and balled out. Yeah, it was Darren Waller, Jameis Winston. And uh, DJ Moore. And yeah. so folks are like, well, I don't know about these these three people. Like, duh, that's the point. You know, and yeah. so. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like the one guy who's like in fantasy maybe, and the dude answered, yeah, this is the <laughs> What do you think you're reading? Right. And one guy's talking about, oh, I don't, uh, I see one. Sorry, not trying to bash an article. I always enjoy reading them. Not sure what the criteria is, but looks like these are real deep sleepers. Wow. Isn't that the first sentence? Yeah, that's the first sentence. So we talked about these same 65 guys, so I wanted to dig deep. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, man. I lo- oh, by the- oh, by the way, so I- as I'm reading this, and I, I guess this is in a weird way uh, one of the highest forms of, of compliment, um, as I'm reading this, your tight end uh, was a dude from the, uh, from the XFL. 
who everyone has. You're right. Like everyone's forgot. I forgot about him actually until you mentioned his name again. Because we've had three years happen since March yeah. with, with this pandemic. It's been three full years. Who actually in 2023? Donald Parham. Parham. I don't even know how do we say that. Parham. Yes. Parham. Parham. Uh, so I, I'm like, you know what? Let me, everybody's right about all this. Uh, so I went and looked up his rookie card and tops actually tops in the XFL set. That's his rookie card. So I bought it for 99 cents plus dollar 75 shipping. That thing could be worth four bucks by end of season. If he does what you're saying, he's going to do. And it's interesting because when you factor in, and we wrote that in detail in the article factor in everything that surrounds that situation you know, he's going to have an opportunity to, to, to showcase, you know? Dude, I was so I was all over Tyrod Taylor two years ago uh, when he was with the Browns, and that was a team where his head coach wasn't his offensive coordinator back in Buffalo. So I imagine that if he knows the system and, uh, and like the coach likes him enough to bring him in and make him your starting quarterback and not like, uh, as far as we know, like not pursue like Cam Newton, stuff like that. I mean, fine, you drafted the, the next guy up, but... But here's the thing about the the next guy up is not that good. That's what they don't realize yet. But Emory Hunt does. Yeah. So you're right about Taylor, though. He He's in a good situation to, to really at least get one full season in. Well, Anthony Lynn said something, too. Like, I I haven't had a quarterback. You know, Phil, Phil Rivers, great, but he didn't fit my system. Uh, and, you know, like Tyrod, I assume fitting the system involves some kind of rushing. And I think he actually hinted at that or intimated that somewhere. Uh, so now he's got the quarterback who fits his system, and maybe 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 Parm's the guy who fits the system better than Hunter Henry too. Well, Henry has to be able to stay out there. Like as good as he is, he still hasn't done a full sixteen games yet. So that's why you know even if it's four games, we saw man, we saw Foster Moreau do it with the Raiders in his seven games that he played in. Scored five touchdowns before he tore his ACL, I believe. So we've seen tight ends just kind of have those. Like we saw Ryan Griffin last year with the Jets have that spurt of, man, this dude is productive. And, you know, they tend to find their way on the field. Now, they may not start the season as your Antonio Gates or your Darren Wallace, but they start to, you know, get that momentum and, and you know, quarterbacks start to build that trust and, and comfort and they just start finding them. And this dude's 6'8, so it's hard to not see him. Yeah. Running down the field like, you know, Jeffrey the Toys R Us mascot. You know, that's that's an apt comparison. I like there that. You go. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, check out Emery's column. It's called uh, "Breakouts." Who are this year's Darren Waller, Jameis Winston, and DJ Moore? And it's good. And we got a picture of the dude from the XFL, which is always kind of cool because those colors they kind of pop. They look a little weird, like a multiverse kind of thing. Um, yeah. If you uh, if you actually want forty percent off, I think if you go to the site. Anything right now, you get a week free trial. If you'd prefer just jumping in and get 40% off, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod, it's our gift to you. Let's get to the rundown. Speaking of digging deep, uh, I want to get into Elijah McGuire. He's on the Chiefs roster. He's popping up at the end of a lot of drafts that I'm doing. You know, just kind of like I like to scroll down and just see who are the next hundred guys who I might be missing uh, when it's getting toward the end. And I look at Elijah McGuire and I see, so everyone's going nuts on Edwards Hilaire. Um, everyone's kind of, oh, you know, LaShawn McCoy's in the mix. Like, all, like there's this group of, uh, Darwin Thompson. Yeah. Everyone loved last year. Everyone thought he was going to, you know, push his way to the top and be the starter. And then there's Elijah McGuire and everyone loves Edwards Hilaire and they love the, you know, they love Damian Williams because he could run and he could catch. And as far as I remember, when you were talking up Elijah McGuire, when he was with the Jets as a sleeper, um, he was a guy who could run and he could catch. And, you know, almost, I think you compared him to Matt Forte, actually. I could be, or maybe it was Tariq Cohen. And I could be way wrong on this. So feel free to correct everything I'm saying. But is Elijah, is Elijah McGuire just a depth kind of practice squad guy who's never going to see the field? Or is there a chance that he actually kind of Damian Williams himself into a significant role on a high powered offense there? Well, he can because I think as a pure running back, he's better than Thompson. Um, he was on off rosters last year, practice squad guy, because he wasn't as healthy. And, and, you know, when he was with the Jets and got an opportunity, he was able to, you know, perform, but he had those nagging injuries and he missed a good portion of 2018 because of it. So if he's healthy, you know, he's going to get an opportunity to be that that second guy up. Because if you look at their depth chart, 
All of those guys share the same attributes and traits. They are able to catch the ball. They don't need volume. Um, and they're also very, you know, explosive as far as a short area burst is concerned. So he'll have an opportunity for him. It's all about health. He was on the team last year. So technically we, we have to introduce him as Super Bowl, you know, champion Elijah McGuire. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. My bad. Sorry. Super Bowl <laughs> champion Elijah McGuire. <laughs> and former Raging Cajun Super Bowl champ Elijah McGuire. Right. I forgot about that connection. Yeah. So you're biased. That's a big part of it. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, and and the thing is, it was supposed to work it was supposed to work out for him with the Jets, just like it was supposed to work out for Trenton Cannon with the yeah. Jets. But he you know, but again, the Adam Gase part is just always tough to, to get over. Um so that's why I like his opportunity here in Kansas City because Andy Reid actually knows how to use his personnel um and puts the personnel in position to win. And I think because of how their backfield is set up with having a bunch of guys of similar traits with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire leading the gate, he's going to get the bulk. But I do think if you're going from a pure running back standpoint, McGuire can, you know, best Thompson. But Thompson has the I was drafted by Andy Reid thing going for him. But, you know, I, I would I would keep an eye on him. I, you know, I'm talking about McGuire, but I wouldn't say, hey, you got to go ahead on and pick up McGuire. But keep an eye on him. So unfortunately, we don't get the preseason um, to kind of monitor certain things about that situation. But McGuire is there for a reason. Is this is Edward Teller? I mean, he's there's a very very minuscule chance of him being a bust, right? Like there's, and I'm just going against like the storyline with him has been almost like 100. percent He's going to be amazing. He's a first round draft pick. He's part of the Chiefs offense. Uh, like, is there a percentage chance things can go wrong there? And that, or is this just like too many smart people are saying this guy's going to be awesome? And we just gotta suck it up and just go with go with the parade, basically. Yeah, at least normally when when everyone is saying someone is gonna be awesome, they usually are not. Yeah, like how everyone last year was trying to tell me that David Montgomery was um, the next Walter Payton, and and you know he's the most elusive back in the draft according to P, PFF or whatever. Oh, he he makes three point eight uh, defenders miss in a five yard radius, the best in the country. In the Central Time Zone, you know those stupid stats they come up with. Yeah. It's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm watching his film and like, man, this guy, yeah, he can make somebody miss, but he doesn't move. So, and I'm so I'm not surprised he averaged, you know, 1.6 yards of carry last year, what have you, whatever the number was. So, I always am wary of when the majority tends to hype up a player, right? But at least they got this one right. Okay, he he's he's going to be really good. It's hard to. And normally, the the group blows the layups, you know, like yeah. the Lamar Jackson, you know, and all the other players that they just you mean running back a Lamar layup. Jackson, exactly, you know, slot receiver Lamar Jackson, yeah, wide receiver Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it, it, so they this is a layup that was a layer as a layup, and he didn't blow it. So I'm I'm impressed. So yeah, that, that's one that you don't have to worry about. Uh, you know, let me. I want to rewind for a second. Where you said you could he could make someone miss, but he can't move. Uh, Let's say that someone doesn't exactly understand what that means. Could you could you explain that for the audience just really quick? <laughs> Normally when you like you could be elusive but not explosive. Um and there's a difference when you're making guys miss, but you're not making guys miss while going downfield. So in comparison, you look at someone that's constantly making moves going downfield. And that's like a, a Barry Sanders. He's making moves but going forward. But you you saw you saw, you know, David Montgomery, you know, break a tackle, but kind of stay in the same spot, you know, like he'll make this guy miss and he'll stop his feet to make another guy miss. But none of those moves were while he was moving forward. And that right there is an issue. And look, you look at his speed and you look at the speed of some of, of Devin Singletary. They're both around the same speed. Right. But uh, Singletary is making those moves while going downfield. So therefore, his that's why his yards per carry was a lot healthier than a David Montgomery, both in college and at the pro level. Is that like an indecisiveness uh, trait that you got? Like the coach has to be like, listen, man, just have some confidence, make a move and go. Or is that just his style of play? Like, I'm just gonna you know skip here, skip over here, spin here, get tackled for a one yard loss. Uh, or like, does someone have to grab him and be like, listen, man, you just just go, you're good. Like, just go. Like, you could this will take over. You don't have to dance around like the line of scrimmage just to try and you know get everybody behind you. Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, 
because it, I think it's just a natural feel for it. You know, I, I know it's in vogue now for everybody to try to be Le'Veon Bell and, you know, walk to the line of scrimmage and wait till everything fully develops before he explodes through. Only Le'Veon Bell can do that. Um, and you really can only do what your, your body tells you it's capable of doing. So in Montgomery's mind, I'm just speculating. I, I do believe he has that initial burst to make a guy miss to, that you need that lateral quickness or that, that elusiveness, that agility to make the first offender miss. But it's that secondary explosiveness. Like, you know how um, if you if you imagine the triple jump, right, you know how you gain momentum as you after the first jump, it's pretty explosive. But that second jump is even more explosive. And then that third jump is where you really explode and catapult yourself into the to the sand pit. Um, for some people, they may not have that that second explosive step, you know. They may have to regather and then make another "quote unquote" first ex- explosive step. If, the, if that makes sense, it does. Yes, and that's dangerous. Yeah, because that way you. Don't, I mean, you don't want to. That's why you you tell coaches tell you don't you don't want to stop your feet when you're trying to make a move because if you stop your feet, you know it gives the defender a chance to to you know uh, recover and then you could get tackled. Gotcha. This is interesting. Off track, but I like it. What is called uh, kinesiology? Yes, the signs of movement. There we go. Yeah, nice. Um, you know, I, so follow up kind of question to that. Uh, you're looking at someone like David Montgomery. What are you looking for now? I mean, we're, so we don't have games, obviously. I mean, you can see some practice, but is it going to be like too late? You know, by the, you're not going to know until the first second game if he's kind of corrected this, or yeah, is it I something think, like yeah. I, I think so because for him, if you're a guy like like David Montgomery. You know, I think you're uh, it, it, you're really dependent on your, you know, the offense that you go to. For him, it, it has to be a quick downhill game because you. So for some backs, you got to force them to go downhill. If you're trying to run east and west, and you know what you're depending on him to make a cut and then you know read and make a cut, that's where you you're putting his skill set at a disadvantage. But if you're getting downhill. And forcing him to go north and south, and now he has no choice but to make that move, going north and south, and not east and west. You have a better chance of him having success. I mean, he did gain a ton of yards at Iowa State, so he's not terrible. It's that I think people overhyped his his ability to make a guy miss without looking at what he was doing post that. I like how you brought up that PFF rating because they like, do that all the time. Like, oh, so and so had the best quarterback rating throwing on the left outdoors on the west coast best in the league you're like yeah but he was 16 of 70 you yeah. know it was like what are you talking about but they are very specific to make a point why don't even i even like the, if you pull it back and just go to like that you know he made this many tacklers miss uh that's without context and i never even thought about the context like i'm just thinking like he's he's like the video game you're going forward and you're shaking these guys off you as you're running not that three guys missed but he just stood there basically yeah, here's the thing. Yeah, you make all those guys miss. If and if you're just reading that that stat by PFF, you would expect this dude's yards per carry average would be like 7.8. But when you saw it was 4.7 in this era of college football, when guys are running through gaping holes in this economy, man, he's not going anywhere. Like, you know, you you look at um, all these backs now in college average at least five yards and up a carry because of the zone, the zone game, and the, the ability to spread the field. Now, four point seven was a fantastic average back when I played because it wasn't, you know, you didn't have the same luxuries that they do now of being able to spread the field. Like people didn't do that then. It was straight up line up and then try to run downhill. And if you got four and a half yards of carry, you were doing a damn good job. So that's why I said he's probably best suited to be in a downhill run game, like a gap scheme or a power scheme. Uh, as opposed to trying to be, um, you know, in this, this spread zone scheme that, that you know, teams want to run. So, like, that's why I always say Tariq Cohen is a better fit for what they want to do, but they don't realize it yet, but they're trying to force someone else to be that guy, which is why it didn't work with Jordan Howard in Matt Nagy's offense, and it didn't work with David Montgomery. Man, that, I, I think we talked about, I think we talked about it on this show, 
about like is this like the the Nagy like this is the third year like it's you got to put up now man or else you're you're no longer this offensive genius uh, who is really the the success behind Kansas City system you're just like a dude who can't put the right people in the right places right because because uh, what they're doing and it's just, and it may not even be Nagy's fault but what they're doing is trying to find all kinds of new and creative ways to not admit they messed up with Mr. Trubisky like you can't like they they're trying to blame everyone else. They've gone so far to now they're putting Cordero Patterson in the backfield. Like, why would you even try to do that? Like, they're trying to make him a running back now, um, which will then take carries away from Tariq Cohen, which will then now put Montgomery in a spot duty role, which is something that's not conducive to his skill set thriving. Just to put another, uh, you know, the, the ball in the hands of someone else, when you could have your cake and eat it too, you could just put Cordero Patterson in the slot Right. And and find ways to get him the football quickly instead of depending on him to run routes. Like you don't have to change his position because when you change his position, you change the, the defense's designation of him. Yeah, it's also just, I mean I, like I, year after year I thought the tight end was going to break out. I like it's I don't know that's a, that's a weird offense for me. I thought it could, like two years ago I thought it was going to go sky high and then it just kind of it's been disappointing. I guess Trubisky or no, you know. Yeah. So staying in the Bears division. That's your segue. Uh, Taj Sharp is actually someone who have the, I don't know why I honed in on him like when he was coming in the league as a rookie, but I, I just like he started just getting on all my teams and I, I just kind of liked him. I had there was kind of this magnetism to his game. Uh, he's in Minnesota now, and he actually you know he, he kind of finished up pretty strong last year, um, but uh, you know Stephen Diggs is gone. I know they, they got a draft pick coming in, but it's like is is there a shot? Taj Sharp kind of gathers this momentum from the end of last year and carries it into Minnesota. And it seems like it's Minnesota did not make a lot of big moves to to kind of add some new pieces. So Tajay Sharp might actually be one of Minnesota's, at least skill position wise, biggest moves. Uh is I mean, is there is there something there? Is is this like again, is this like a depth move or just someone who they could be like, oh, we think you know, Taj Sharp could be our, our number one or number two receiver? Well, I think it's more of a contingency plan depending on how quickly Justin Jefferson gets up to speed. Cause he's, you know, he's the number one pick, um, very talented and they're very high on BC Johnson too. So uh, who has game that's just like Adam Thielen. They all have a type, you know, Minnesota has a type. Yeah. Um, these bigger receivers that are, that are savvy route runners. And so all of them are one and the same sharp is the outlier. Cause you know, he's not as savvy of a route runner, but he has speed. Um, that's something that you don't see from BC Johnson, Jefferson, or, or Adam Thielen. Uh, so I would look at that situation and, and probably stay away from Sharp because if it's not Jefferson, it's probably going to be BC Johnson to line up outside of Thielen with Jefferson slowly working in the mix. So, and, and they really only get two guys involved out there on the perimeter with their tight ends are going to take the bulk of it. You know, with the emergence of Irv Smith Jr., Kyle Rudolph is still Kyle Rudolph. So I think there's not even room for a third option, to be honest. You know, a third option out there in Minnesota will barely, I think, get the look to really be a fantasy threat, you know? Is that is that offense going to be significantly different without Stefanski there, or is it going to be, uh, I don't know, like it's Gary Kubiak, and I know he was kind of like the cloud hanging over everything last year anyway. Um, how, how's that going to look? It's going gonna, it's gonna to look like it looked in Houston – prior to him, you know, leaving and it's going to look like it looked with him in Denver. Uh, you're going to see a lot of zone, um, uh, play action is still going to be a big part of it. Um, but they still have Kirk cousins at quarterback. So, you know, success, I, I think they probably maxed out last year, uh, with how good they're going to be. They really need their defense to be real good, but offensively with Kubiak, I don't think you'll see that much of a drop off from what we saw, uh, schematically from, from, uh, last season. So no one's gonna, no one's value is gonna seismically shift. Like it's not, like yeah, I look at his his numbers on the Pro Football Reference page, and they're actually pretty, you know, they're they're not like Brian Dayball, where it's like he's the fourth fourth most rushing attempts and like the twenty eighth most passing attempts year after year after year, and he's very, you know, you can predict he what he's gonna do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kubiak's balanced. Yeah, and, and that and that balance, I, that's why I like Kubiak as a as a OC. I think you know because of that balance, they're gonna you know they're gonna be in games. Uh, but that balance also still yields itself to not overemphasizing one target. I know when he was in Houston, he had to because he had Andre Johnson 
and he didn't really have the run game that they, you know, that they have here in uh, Minnesota. And he didn't have the tight ends that he has here. He has three of them, actually. I, I really like Tyler Conklin, too. Um, so they got they got more weapons here than he's had uh, in the, in the, in a, a few years when he was the OC or a, or a head coach. But so I don't see them really featuring a third option. If they do, I think it's going to be more Johnson than it will be Sharp. All right, I like Stump Cesar so far. It's you've even thrown out a third tight end on Minnesota that we haven't even asked about. So <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. Make sure you check out Football Game Plan, people. This is this is the, it's littered with stuff like this, littered in a good way. Um, I want you know so I want to get into the Jets wide receivers a little bit because you I mean you went you were in the press box you you were at the press conferences you would you would ask Adam Gase questions uh, so you were in the thick of it all and th- these two are kind of related uh, first off like the Jets wide receivers last year was like whatever you know it wasn't anything spectacular people like Robbie Anderson. Uh, Nunwa was was kind of coming into his own and not coming into his own. I think this is over the last couple of years, uh, and now it's just like you read tweets from people who are out there and they're like, "This is you know, the Jets need to address this wide receiver situation." Um, so these are kind of tied together. Like, a this Jets wide receiver situation. What's going to happen if they don't make any moves? Who's going to emerge? I'm assuming you know everybody and every detail about all these receivers to begin with, uh, and then B like. It's Adam Gase, man. Like, what's I mean? Is he what's his deal? What's his deal? <laughs> you know, I can't man, figure that guy out. I think when you when you sit, I'm I'm a I'm an observer of people, right? And I always try to see the good in everybody. And so, watching the vitriol thrown Adam Gase's way uh, after his initial press conference, where he you know his eyes are looking all over the place. Yeah. But you know, being at press. Being at the pressers and stuff, you, you know, I'm sitting back just observing and I'm like, you know what? He genuinely probably is a nice dude. And again, I don't know him outside of my interactions with him at pressers. Like he was always respectful and answered my questions and gave me good, deep answers. Um, probably because I asked good questions and I wasn't trying to, you know, bait him into a gotcha question that's going to make the back pages. Right. But I felt like he's just an introvert, you know, and some people just, I, I feel the same way about Gates that I felt about McAdoo. I just feel like they are, they love the head coaching job. They just don't like the attention that comes with it. The stuff that is required when you're a head coach, where you have to constantly be out there. You know, I, I so I think that's just a personality trait for them. Um, they just not, they're just not comfortable in front of people you nice. know, that they don't feel comfortable in front of. And this is the worst city to be that, to have that personality trait yeah, and, and be the head coach. Right. Um, so oh, McAdoo is the giant. Wait, no. Uh, uh, where's Mac? He's the tight ends coach for uh, Cleveland. I think so. Yeah. He's out there. I think he's in Cleveland. Yeah. It's good to see him resurface. Yeah. Cause he was, I mean, he, the offense was, was not the problem. He was trying to do the right thing. He's the one that told them to draft Pat Mahomes. But they didn't listen. They were still on Eli Manning. Can you imagine? Yeah. But right? you know, yeah. So like this. <laughs> oh, all right, so hold on, I got it backwards. Ben McAdoo is the quarterback's coach for the Jaguars. Freddie Kitchens is the tight ends coach. Yeah, for he's the tight ends coach for the, yeah. for the Giants now. Yeah. I was getting my kind of humiliated head coaches mixed up. <laughs> they bounce back though, I tell you that. Um so with the receiving core, I read a I read a great article last year on the athletic uh, talking about a, a sleeper receiver that a breakout receiver. And it was, and it spoke about Jameson Crowder and he ended up being the, you know, the most consistent receiver out there with the Jets last year. Yeah. You, you know, I think so I read cool, that article. Yeah. I forgot who wrote it. Kudos yeah, to that. I don't you know, remember. Person <laughs> that, 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 that wrote that, you know, said, Hey, you know, keep an eye out for Jameson Crowder. He's going to be, uh, you know he's going to rack up a lot of catches, which he did. He led the team in receptions. So I, I feel like that talented writer might have averaged more than four point five yards per carry as a college running back, too, for some reason. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird. I, <laughs> his name slips me. All right, uh, but <laughs> we'll figure it I out. Think, we'll have DVR look it up for us. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll hit the research department <laughs> and figure it out. Uh, but Denzel Mims is is the rookie I, I really like, and and Perriman is coming off of a solid stint in um, Tampa, but they're new to the system. And with rookie wide receivers, you, you really can't trust him fully. Um, right. So I understand some of the trepidation there. Perryman is, you know, he, he was a bust, 
Then he, he found himself, you know, some success at uh, in Cleveland and also in Tampa. So you like that he's kind of turned it around. But there's room for someone to make make uh, make a jump. And I think that guy is going to be Jeff Smith. I tweeted about that yesterday. Um, like, hey, keep an eye out for Jeff Smith, former quarterback, college quarterback at Boston College, turned wide receiver. And that last year at BC, I was at maybe three BC games his final season. You go to a lot of BC games. Because you know why? BC does a fantastic job of scheduling Friday games. And, and those Friday night games jive perfectly with my Saturday broadcast schedule. So I can get up to BC, nice. check out a game, leave at halftime, get back down to Jersey, get some sleep, and then get over to Baltimore or D.C. Saturday morning to broadcast my game. So that's why I love BC because they always have either Thursday night or Friday night games. Now, so Boston is not an easy drive. It's, it's three hours. That's not bad. If you're going through Connecticut and all that traffic. like Yeah, that's – but see – I'm always I'm always leaving early, so I leave I'll leave here maybe around six thirty, right. and I get up to Boston around nine thirty, and I have like a free day, so I'll, I'll you know go and tour the city or go get lunch somewhere. I made a mistake last year and got a haircut while I was out there because I needed one in for Boston. the broadcast. Not just in Boston, but I made the mistake because I was trying to find one that was nearby the stadium, and I went to a, a, a supercuts. Bro, <laughs> why not to not to knock supercuts, but a new Shout city, supercuts, a new place. That's uh, yeah. Well, I didn't know that. I you know because obviously now here's where you know we're, we're going to talk culture. Um, for me as a black person, I just can't go to any barbershop. I got to find an urban barbershop to go to, and because I was pressed for time, I'm thinking, okay, I just need a, a shape up. Or, you know, just to hold me over until the following week when I get a haircut. So that I, that way I didn't have to go through the, the, the stress of trying to find a barber in Boston that can give me a full haircut. And so I saw the supercuts when I when I you know, was approaching the stadium. It was, you know, maybe about two miles away. I'm like, this is perfect. I go in. This young lady was asking me questions. I'm th- you know, because you go into a barber, you say certain things and. You just let it, you just, that's it. There's right. no more conversation. Right. But she was asking me like, what, so what do you, so you mean like, I'm like, oh my God. And by that time I had already made a commitment. I'm, I'm in the chair. I'm like, she can't screw up a shape up, you know? But when I got out, I'm like, man, I was so upset. But you know, to the good thing, nobody there noticed. But as soon as I got to the broadcast on Saturday on a HBCU campus, the the SID was like, man, who cut your hair? I was like, I knew you. I knew you was going to notice it. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've been told we we can make fun of supercuts because they're never going to sponsor the podcast. So go to town. There we go. Yeah. So made the mistake, and then when I get to Boston College, you know, for the game, they play Kansas. By the way, uh, I get to I get to the game, and I look at my phone. There was like four barber shops that were within a half mile of where I was. I was like, man, had I gone to. One of those other ones, and it was in the urban area. I'm like, damn, that's what I get. So, but point is, I went out there. I saw Jeff Smith. He tracks a deep ball well. He does <laughs> right, a sorry, great we job. Yeah, he got on track. But he he is a he is a good deep ball uh, receiver. And because he played quarterback, he knows how to find his way open or work himself open. And when I was at Jets camp last year at Jets mini camp, sure. and they had us indoors, and uh, this was maybe uh, two practices that I watched. And Davis Webb was still on the team. The two days I was there, Jeff Smith was the one that was just burning all the defensive backs. Like he was just getting deep and just burning guys. But he had an injury last year, which is why he was on the practice squad and found his way uh, getting onto the active roster, I think, late last season. But now you see some reports come out of camp that, hey, Jeff Smith, you know, is, is looking pretty good. So he's one to keep an eye on. But I think it's going to be Crowder, the two tight ends. Herndon and Griffin. Oh, it's Herndon. If 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 a preseason goes by without a bunch of fantasy people sweating Chris Herndon so hard as the next big thing at tight end, then it's you're you're in a different universe. You've woken up in a different universe because it started happening again this week. Oh, it's all Herndon now. Oh, dude, I, oh, Herndon. I, I told I told you two years ago. Watch out for Chris Herndon. It's like yeah, you and everybody. So right. congratulations. Some people need to see it before they saw it already. Yeah. And it's like that that's something that people just don't grasp about the whole breakouts. Like we've seen him have success. So, yes, he's going to have success. Yeah. But so I think you also have to factor in Frank Gore um, and, 
Le'Veon Bell as being outlet receivers. And, you know, I, I just think that the deep passing game, the vertical passing game, it wasn't really there with Robbie Anderson. They had troubles trying to connect Robbie Anderson and, and, and Darnold. So I think that's why you saw Crowder have success, why you saw the tight ends have success. You're going to see the backs catch a lot of passes. So the receiving core, I think, will go in that order. And it, whatever you get out of Mims is going to be great because he's a rookie. Uh, whatever you get out of Perriman is icing on the cake. And whatever Jeff Smith gives, you know, he would be the deep threat option, I believe. It's just that, you know, you really can't trust the receivers outside of Crowder because you have a quarterback in Darnold that wants to get rid of the football quickly. He doesn't really do well versus pressure. So that ball is going to come out quick. It's going to come out short, which means it's going to come out to either your slot receiver, your tight ends, or your backs. All right. I, so I don't know if I'm like part of my job here is to edit a lot of the stuff that Michael Selfino writes. And he is like the most positive guy on Sam Darnold ever. Like I've ever like, if, like, so it's the kind of like Sam Darnold, like if he has like a 4,000 yard season with, you know, 35 touchdowns against 12 interceptions like that, like when the season ends, you send a card to Michael Selfino saying congratulations because he's like such a champion for Sam Darnold. Um, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm brainwashed or what at this point. Here's what Selfino said the other day I, I read, and I just thought it was right on par with Bat Boy lives in Connecticut, right? <laughs> I, right? I'm reading it, and it said, oh, if the Jets had Mayfield or Lamar Jackson with the same bad offensive line that, uh, you know, Darno has had, they'd be – benched and on first of all he cleaned it up because he posted the same tweet two weeks ago and it only said Lamar Jackson it was like if Lamar Jackson played behind that Jets off the line they would have drafted Lamar Jackson he'd be benched already and out of the league almost out of the league with behind that offensive line so I was like okay if that is the case then why isn't Darnold benched or almost out of the league and we know Lamar Jackson would be Lamar Jackson wherever he played because Lamar Jackson was Lamar Jackson when that, behind that Ravens offensive line that couldn't block, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers in that playoff game. So he was having to do a lot of different things uh, to to supersede that that uh, lack of protection. Darnold just can't get out the way because he has that fear like a Tony Romo. He's going to get himself sacked and get himself hurt. Right. Um, so, yeah, he tweeted that out yesterday. Like, if, man, if Mayfield and Jackson were drafted by the Jets, they already be benched. Like, you, it's hard to make that argument, Salfina, when one of the guys you're talking about is a former MVP or the reigning MVP. Like, I, that's that's when you know he's a superior Jets homer. <laughs> I'm going to get him on next week. We're going to have fun. We got a question that just popped up on Twitter. Yeah? Yeah. Let's use that as our tease because okay. uh, I want to give Ernest his back. and I'd, I'd like to continue to give them some love because uh, they love us, I guess. I assume. I hope. Do you think? They're back. So that's a good sign. Uh, interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Earnest. Even if you refinance before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy to start. Complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. Then you get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate? Ernest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Ernest customer service. They've rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. So, you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest.com slash throwback. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance your student loan at Ernest.com slash throwback. Not available in all states. So visit earnest.com slash throwback for more details. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Emory Hunt, what is the tweet? Tweet comes from Karim Nasir at, uh, at K-R-A-M-D-B-A. Says, hi, Emory. Already itching for the new The Athletic Fantasy Pod episode today. Nice. Kudos to us. You did say it was the best fantasy pod out there. Thank you. See, I was hoping to get your thoughts on Bryce Love. Do you see him as a viable NFL starting running back? I know the answer to that one. Go ahead. For those well, who haven't we, read your column. Exactly. I was about to say we, we, we wrote about him. Uh, we spoke about him. And starting 
I don't know, you know, because he has been banged up and it has nothing to do with his size because he, as you know, size is not a skill. Um, he just has had those nagging injuries at Stanford or, you know, it always seemed like something was nagging him. So I do think he can be a capable RB two on that football team. He can be a good co-pilot. He's going to have to be, um, because that's not a part of the fantasy community I see right now is a, a rage war between those that think uh, Antonio Gibson can be a viable fantasy running back or those that will use his lack of carries as a reason to say you guys are all crazy. So with that all being the backdrop, I do think there's a, a lane for love if he's healthy to be a good co-pilot to Adrian Peterson. Are you still, I mean, I remember it was last year, it was two years ago when you predicted Adrian Peterson's line basically down to the exact yardage and touchdown total. Um, remember the, the 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 flack I got for that, for saying I he remember. was going to go for 1,000 yards? I remember that. <laughs> I think you had, it was like 12, was it like 1,200 yards and like eight touchdowns or something? And every, like there were a lot, the commenters were unkind to Emery that day, but uh, it happened like almost exactly. Like almost, I, I think it was like the price is right, you would have won both showcases. It was like that close. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But like, is this like, is this going to be the Adrian Peterson backfield again? Is it is that is that it? We should yeah, just get used to it. I mean, the Geist story was bizarre when you read the details. Like, damn, like he really was out there, you know, bad. And so now they have to really hope that Love is capable. They don't want to push the um, the Gibson getting significant carries outside of your jets, jet sweeps and end arounds. But people are in so love it, with Gibson too. Fantasy people know, are in love with Gibson. Yeah, it, they they love they either love or hate him. You know, or maybe there's just the loudest the ones that hate Gibson. But the majority of the fantasy community loves Gibson. Uh, but I think his his role is going to be more along the lines of sprint draw. I mean, you know, those sprint draws, end arounds, jet sweeps, screens. Um, it's not going to be the Adrian Peterson type carries just like you, I think that's why you can see a role for love and Gibson. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be Adrian Peterson out of the gate and, you know, because it has to be. And he still, ha- I mean, the question isn't like, does he still have it? Like he's got um, basically immortality. I Dude feel. is an alien, man. He's like a legit alien. Yeah. Like, after you saw him tear his ACL and come back and rush for 2000 yards, you know, it's like, damn. Yeah. And I think people forget how good he is. Like this isn't like, I guess Frank Gore is kind of in the same boat. Like if you plop Frank Gore into a 200 carry role, he'd still be good. And Adrian Peterson is still better. Adrian Peterson's body type and just like his, he's the last. He's the he's the he's kind of like Herschel Walker in my eyes as far as like his athleticism and body just doesn't make sense. Yeah, like you you look at him and you say like. You know, how is he able to do it like this deep into his 30s? And it's it's impressive. I mean, he had what, a, like a 90 yard touchdown run two yard two years ago. It's dumb. Say yes. That doesn't make that. Yeah, <laughs> he did. That, yeah, I, yes. the, I, I want to say it was against the Eagles. It was like, man, 90 yards at 33 years old. Yeah. You think he can go for a thousand again this year? He barely missed it last year. He was what, 100? Yards away from it last year, I think he can get a thousand this year. Yeah. All right, Adrian Peterson, sleeper, <laughs> right? Deep dive. Yeah, yeah. Well, just in case you missed that headline. Uh, uh, here's another question for you. This is from James T in the mailbag. Does Eckler get goal line carries this year like he did last season? And maybe there's a bigger question here. Like, how do you see this happening in in Los Angeles? Almost at San Diego. I almost say San Diego. I want to say Carson City. They still playing Carson City or no? Let's say yeah. Okay. Well, no. Wait, uh, so wait, the Rams have that new stadium. I don't think the Chargers do. SoFi. So yeah, no, they they share it. Oh, they do. So oh. yeah, <laughs> I've only seen the Rams people writing about it. Yeah, everybody, everybody, you know, everybody plays in SoFi. Whole nice. Southern California plays in SoFi. All right. Um, that's a good question. I think you'll see Eckler, Jackson, and Joshua Kelly, the rookie, kind of. I think. Eckler on the goal line, that's a fantasy thing, right? Everybody always asks about goal line carries. I don't know, man. That's a that's one where I think it could go either way. You can see the rookie Kelly or Jackson or even Eckler. It depends on who got them down there. And coaches want to tend, they tend to reward the guy that got them down there. 
Um, but I, I can see a situation where people are wondering why Eckler isn't in on the goal line. Um, probably because he has so much work in getting down there. Tyrod Taylor could steal some of his goal line, quote unquote, carries or touches or touchdowns. So there's a lot to factor in with, with Eckler in, in that question. So I, I would say it depends. All right. Uh, let me reframe this for you. Eckler's getting a lot of love and taking – people are taking him very early uh, in drafts. I think based on what he did early last season when he kind of had that backfield all to himself, were they were they running him out there a lot early because they knew Melvin Gordon was on his way back and then they would just fall into a timeshare again? Or was that kind of like a test to be like, well, I mean, this guy can carry the load? Like, can you can you extrapolate that first run that he had where he was very, very good as the only guy in the backfield – to an entire season or is that like are we do we have to operate in reality here and be like well they only did that because they knew gordon was coming back and he wouldn't get worn out you know by week six here's the funny thing about statistics that everybody loves everybody loves statistics but they always choose when and where to use them or not use them yeah he had you know 12 carries 17 carries 18 carries uh in the three of the first four weeks and that was coinciding with gordon not playing right but he also averaged 4.8, 3.8, in those uh, three games. So the the only game he really had that was a breakout, and it was an anomaly, it was the Jaguars game in week 14 where he ran 401 yards on eight carries. So I personally don't understand where this Eckler is going to be this star is coming from. Because even in those 12 carries – and my thing is this, if you gave, and people think I'm just uh, saying this because I'm a fan, but no, if you gave Tariq Cohen those same amount of carries, he'd have a higher yards per carry average, uh, which tells you he's the better overall tailback. Eckler, I think, was perfect as a complimentary guy. And sometimes guys just fit better in that role where they can come in, take advantage of a gas defense, uh, take advantage of an individual matchup um, and have success. So his value to me is more so in the passing game than it is as a runner. And I think that's where his his I think people will look at, oh, look what he did in fantasy. And they only look at his receiving. But his rushing is going to have to be significantly better if he's going to be out there and be the the breakout star that they expect him to be. So I think you'll see, you know, more of Kelly and, and Jackson and Eckler kind of being Eckler. I don't think we'll see Eckler be this feature full-time LaDainian Thomason guy. I think he's going to still be his his uh, same self with just two other guys sharing a piece of the, the running total. Yeah, it's, it's, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more question from Zach V before we wrap it up. Uh, this one's not as deep as we've gone so far this show, so we're kind of doing this backwards. We're ending on a, on a kind of a, a, a shallow question, but important one nonetheless. Am I crazy for wanting to keep Godwin over Julio? Uh, standard scoring, five-point bonus for 100 receiving, another five if he gets 10 catches, which I love bonus scoring in fantasy, so props to Zach. But, uh, Emery, how, how are you on this uh, Godwin versus Julio Jones? I think one of the first articles I wrote was always bet on talent. Yes. Who would you take in a real football game? Well, see, this is the thing. That's why I'm asking you. Like, who does have more talent? I, I assume it's Julio Jones. He's a little older. Um, but I don't know, maybe you have this point of view where Godwin's the more talented receiver. I don't know if that's true, but Julio is the most talented receiver. You are correct in that assessment. Yay. Um, we need to get some fake applause, fake fan noise. (laughs) Julio also has a more stable, uh, situation. We know what we're going to get out of Matt Ryan. We know Matt Ryan will find Julio up until they get into the red zone. And then, um, we know about the Falcons offense. We don't know which Tom Brady is going to show up. We also don't know if Tom Brady is going to rely heavily on Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Mike Evans. We know Julio Jones will get Julio Jones looks. So keep Julio Jones. All right. If you could find a way to get rid of Godwin for uh, for a nice uh, for like two highly productive slot guys, I would probably do that. Now, you know what I'd like to hear, and we'll get into this next week. I think I'll, I got to remember throwing the rundown before I forget. Um, what this Tampa Bay Bucks team is going to look like, in your opinion. Like Tom Brady just going into a brand-new offense for the first time in his career. Mike Evans and Godwin, you know, talented receivers. Rob Gronkowski just kind of being there. 
that running back situation that's up and down and people love and hate Ronald Jones. Um, we could probably do a whole show on that. Yeah, we. I mean, we could. Right. I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody else is building careers off Tom Brady coverage. Why not us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, this is great. What's for lunch? How do you follow up the protein pancakes? Well, go for a walk first because I'm on the low, slowly uh, starting to get the itis. So nope. I got to get out there okay. and go for a <laughs> it's walk. It's 11 o'clock, to, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, I... Maybe I had too many pancakes, but I got to get out, get moving, and then I'll, I'll work up the appetite probably for a salad for lunch, and then I have a nice big piece of tuna that I'm a, you know, pansier for uh, dinner. That sounds great. Yeah, I love Wegmans. Shout out to Wegmans. Where are you going to Wegmans? That's how. That's like our. This I want to say maybe like a two miles away. Really like big. Yeah. I thought you lived close, kind of. All right, so now we're getting off track. But I thought you lived kind of close to me, like by the George Washington and stuff. Yeah, I can go either way. Yeah, really. I'm near Paramus. I did, all right. So I got so I grew up in way. I was basically I was birthed in a Wegman's essentially. If you're from Syracuse, that's like your th- you know like that's Alec Baldwin, the Baldwin family, and Wegman's. That's like your things. That's what ah. we hang our hats on. <laughs> so see, I didn't I didn't realize Wegman's was was like that until. You know, I saw people going crazy for, for the Wegmans that was being built near, you know, in our in our area. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's been it's been a godsend, like the fresh fish, everything out there at Wegmans. You can you can get lost in there. This is a lot of fun. It's great, right? Have you do, you do the subs? You ever get the subs? Yeah, the sub I, had, I had a sub. I had a pizza there before. I love the salmon burgers that I've been able to order uh, from there. The fries were really good. Yeah. Uh, the the sushi there is, is phenomenal. Um you got to see if yeah. they, I don't know if they carry this. Like, I don't know if it would make its way down and they got some contract with all the Wegmans. But if they carry Gianelli sausage, Gianelli. get your hands on some Gianelli sausage. I have to ask the girlfriend because, you know, she's Italian. And so she may know Gianelli personally. So I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's, I mean, she she have to have upstate roots. That's, we're, we're upstate. Well, that, oh, but, I mean, there's this other thing that she lives in. It's Uncle Giuseppe's. It's a, uh, another uh, grocery store. I guess it's specifically filled with Italian stuff and she like that is her that is her rose bowl that's her Pasadena <laughs> <laughs> yeah. alright I gotta cause this is this is all closer than I thought now this could be changing everything <laughs> I'm no longer tethered to the Acme which by the way shout out to the Acme by me they did a great job during the whole pandemic they still are so I don't want to crap on them yeah Acme shout out to Acme it's yeah. not in the cartoons though yeah exactly <laughs> the Bugs Bunny Acme yeah don't buy don't buy from Acme no <laughs> The remember Roger Rabbit, the hole, the Acme black hole. Exactly, I remember that. I, that that was so dope, like that black hole. Oh, Sometimes you need that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, anyway, okay, enough. Uh, shout out to Wegmans too, and and the Baldwins. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe we we'll get on the Tom Brady. Maybe not. Maybe it's too obvious. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, thank you all for joining us. Check out Football Game Plan, footballgameplan.com. Check out the YouTube channel. Check out F Ball Game Plan on Twitter. That's Emery. Um, be nice in the comments section or else uh, you'll be dunked on. So uh, thank you all for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time for the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Bye.